Hi everybody and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Are we back in 2011 or what? After the US debt ceiling drama earlier this year, we just witnessed a rating agency downgrading the US exactly like in 2011. Back then it was S&P, this time it's Fitch. Today, you are likely to read plenty of scary and fear-mongering headlines, and in this piece, instead, we'll take a step back and rationally assess what the US downgrade means for investors and markets out there. First of all, a few words on the reasons behind the downgrade. Fitch pointed out the prolonged discussions on that ceiling show deterioration in the standards of governance, and the rating agency also sees an economic downturn ahead, which is likely to weaken government finances further. The chart at the bottom of page one shows the US spending on interest payments nearing an annualized $1 trillion a year. That's a scary chart, but only if you think that the US government has a constrained budget like a household, but that's not how it works. The government doesn't need to find money before delivering deficit spending. The government is the very issuer of the money that we use, so its balance sheet doesn't really work like ours. Deficit spending, as you can follow now in the table at page 2, creates a hole in the government's balance sheet and it increases our net wealth. It's very nice when the government cuts your taxes, right, or throws checks at you. By the government doing deficit spending, this increases bank deposits in the system. It increases our wealth in the system. More bank deposits, they are a liability for the commercial banking system, imply more assets for the commercial banking system. Those are bank reserves. And when the government issues the bond to fund the deficit spending, primary dealers at banks can swap these newly created reserves or use the repo market to buy the newly auctioned treasuries. Now, this is a simplified, stylized example that you can see at page two. There are many more potential steps and versions of how deficit spending and then uh, bond funding could work. But the stylized example that I just described should help you understand the main concept. Deficit spending creates money for the private sector and the government doesn't have a constrained balance sheet like a household. The government doesn't need to find money to spend money. The government creates the money in the first place. And repeating this concept is useful to demystify scary charts like the one we covered before at page one. Yes, government interest payments are rising, but it's not like the US needs to choose between spending on interest and spending money in the real economy because its balance sheet is not constrained and it doesn't work like ours. The real limitation to uncontrolled deficit spending is inflation and scarcity of resources. We have seen that in 2021 and 2022 and not some budget constraint typical of a household. But okay, after this introduction, how does the Fitch downgrade affect investors and market participants? The key point here is that US Treasuries now have their second best rating at AA+, instead of AAA, given that only Moody's amongst the three largest rating agencies preserved its top rating for the US, S&P and Fitch are now at AA+. U.S. Treasuries are the most widely used form of collateral in the world. Due to their high rating, liquidity, deep repo market, solid democratic foundations, and the rule of law. So we should ask ourselves, how does the downgrade, making the second best rating AA+, instead of AAA, affect all of that? 
To understand that, let's have a quick look at the rating requirements that different institutional players must adhere to when investing in safe government bonds to explore what a downgrade to AA plus uh, does, whether it makes a difference or not. The first big buyer is commercial banks. Commercial banks are huge buyers of treasuries. They use them as a regulatory liquid asset, as collateral, and also sometimes as an asset to hedge interest rate risk on their liabilities. The Basel regulatory framework introduced 10 years ago as a 0% capital requirement for government bonds rated between AAA and AA minus in its standardized approach. Look at the table at page 3. So the downgrade from AAA to AA plus wouldn't really make any difference because the 0% capital requirement would hold. Most banks actually choose an internal rating-based approach. It's based on internal models rather than on standardized approaches. And in that case, most jurisdictions apply an exception for any investment-grade rated domestic government bond, which automatically gets a 0% risk weight anyway in the internal rating-based approach. So basically, however you cut and dice it, for banks, this downgrade makes no difference at all. They still preserve a 0% capital requirement for treasuries. Pension funds and insurance companies are also large buyers of treasuries. They use them as a long-duration asset to match their long liabilities. Say life insurance payouts, pension payouts, etc., etc., and also they use treasuries as collateral. For a pension fund, considerations about the risk and return profile of assets are important. They not only need to hedge interest rate risk on their long duration liabilities, but also they need to try and deliver long-term returns to make the pension system sustainable over time. Now, a AAA-rated or a AA-plus rated U.S. Treasury would still fall in the hedging camp or in the defensive asset allocation camp, and a one-notch downgrade really doesn't make the difference. Treasuries are still seen as a defensive asset for pension funds. When it comes to collateral usage, pension funds and insurance companies are very active in the repo market. They lend their unsecured cash parked at the bank against collateral because they want to upgrade the safety of their cash deposit, a collateralized loan with treasuries, under, with, uh, with treasuries used as collateral is definitely safer than an overnight unsecured bank deposit. So does a downgrade affect the collateral status of U.S. treasuries in these transactions? And the table at page four represents the recommended haircuts that the Basel Committee suggests to apply to the collateral that is lent or received in these transactions. As you can see, also in this case, Bonds rated between AAA and AA- minus all fall within the same bucket. Cert certain pension funds might have a stricter collateral demand and only accept AAA collateral in these transactions, but still, the marginal impact of the Fitch downgrade from AAA to AA+, plus is likely to be very minor also for collateral requirements. Finally, Big buyers of U.S. treasuries include FX reserve managers. Chinese or Brazilian uh, corporates selling stuff for U.S. dollar will deposit these earned U.S. dollars in the domestic banking system, and so the Bank of Brazil or the PBOC in China would be in charge of investing these dollars in safe liquid assets, and you guessed it, U.S. treasuries. Now, the bottom chart at page 4 shows that as about 70% of global transactions are still in dollar, there will always be structural demand to recycle these dollars in safe 
treasuries. Because what's the alternative anyway? Japanese government bonds, there is no free float, no free market really. Europe has a pretty small AAA to AA rated bond market. What about the BRICS? I mean, BRICS have no liquid bond markets and they have issues with democracy, corruption, and rule of law. So as you can see, for most institutional players out there, this downgrade has no material impact that would make them a force seller of US treasuries. But let's say you want to look at one market indicator that truly signals the stress around this. What would you have to monitor? If markets were worried about the collateral quality of US treasuries, this would be reflected in swap spreads. And now don't be scared. This is a bit of jargon of bond market, but it's really not complicated. Swap spreads are nothing else than the differential between swap rates and treasury yields. So swap yields measure the market-implied return that you can make over time by safely depositing the money at the Fed. And therefore, if treasury yields rapidly deviate from swap rates, it could be because of collateral quality considerations. There are also other drivers behind swap spreads, but if you're trying to disentangle and really look at the cleanest indicator to follow to understand market stress around this downgrade, five-year swap spreads would be it. And the chart at page five shows that in 2011, five-year swap spreads were very volatile around the downgrade, but ended up stabilizing soon after. Today, so far, we are getting no reaction at all. And in the article at page five, you can, you can find a link where to follow five-year swap rates and compare them to five-year treasuries yourself as well. In the short term, markets can overinterpret and overreact, so it's important to keep track of the sentiment and price action, but in the long run, I hope this article covered why this downgrade shouldn't affect markets much. I hope you enjoyed the piece and talk soon here on The Macro Compass.